Welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. My name is Connor. I'm here with Mike Shera, pastor of Grace Church of Orange. Morning, Mike. Good morning. And listeners, we are uh, really excited to be with you. And the topic of the day is known to me, but not to Mike. So, <laughs> Mike, I'm going to uh, just launch us into a question that somebody actually asked after church on Sunday. And I think it's going to maybe just open up a good discussion and hopefully hit at something that more than a few people have been wondering as we've gone through the, the book of Jude. So are you ready to, to hear this? Absolutely. Can't wait. Here's a question that somebody asked after church on Sunday. You were preaching on false teachers in the church, being aware of that, um, even believing the predictions of the apostles who said that false teachers were coming. But here's a question that I think a lot of people will maybe have in their minds. How do we know when a leader is genuine but struggles with sin in contrast with a false teacher whose character is evil? That's an interesting one. That's a great question. Okay, so how do we know if a leader is genuine and struggling with sin, which everyone is, by the way. Which everyone is, right. Compared Uh, to the person who is a false teacher and is, is genuinely someone with an evil character who is being malicious. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so, ki- the kind of person that Jude is pointing out. Okay. Well, that's a great one. Okay. So let me take you to verse 19. I think verse 19 is going to give us some indication of of this. Okay. So the, the person's asking an honest question. How do I know? How do we know if a leader is genuine uh, and struggling with sin versus a false teacher with evil character? Right. Okay. I'm going to answer it first by saying you don't always know. Okay, you, you hmm. don't have 100% assurance and your mind isn't always going to be 100% accurate. So we have to keep that in mind. But let me take you to verse 19. It says this, It is these, as opposed to you, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So this is what we were looking at on Sunday. So is this person causing division? Now let's just say, we'll do some check downs here. If it's a leader in the church who is genuine, interesting that this person kind of camped out on a leader versus themselves. But let's just let's just right, go right. with it, okay? Uh, if a leader is genuine and struggling with sin, and they cause division, it will be called out and they will repent. Okay. 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 I'm and following you. If a false teacher with evil character causes division, it will be called out and they will not repent. Hmm. So. Right there, there's an indication if there's a if there's a refusal to reconcile or repent, but go on. It says worldly people, so they're planning out things that are just fleshly, and then devoid of the spirit literally means without the spirit. Yeah. In the Greek, it just it means without. Hmm. So the idea is that you know, as Romans eight nine, which I shared on Sunday, that if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have this Holy Spirit, you're not regenerated. You're not saved. And what this means is that the person who is a false teacher with evil character isn't a true believer, but they've weaseled their way into the church. Now, some of you might say, well, huh, that's not most of the people I know. And what you have to stop and say is, wait a minute. When Paul says, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith, he is saying, take the test to see if you're truly a believer. What's the test? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Uh, Like even 1 John um, the testimony is this, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. 
he who is not of the Son of God does not have the life. And you're like, do I have Jesus in my life? Mm-hmm. How do you know if you have Jesus in your life? Well, you'll know the gospel. You'll know that Jesus died for your sins in your place on the cross, and you are trusting him to save you, but also you want to please him because Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Right. And then you're going to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh, like right. Galatians 5 says. Right. So it, basically, the look at the aggregate. How do you know if a believer or a leader is genuine and struggling with sin? Because they're going to be repenting and you're not going to see... What, don't take one snapshot of a life, okay? Don't one moment in time, but basically the aggregate of what you're seeing. So it's interesting that I think this is actually a really simple question uh, to answer. And I don't know what's behind it. I don't know this sure, person. Sure. I don't know you know, where their motives or hearts is at with it. But how do I know if a leader is genuine and struggling with sin versus a false teacher? First of all, don't think outside of yourself first. Okay, examine Consider your own heart first. first. But if you're looking at something and if you see a leader who's genuine and struggling with sin, I think if, again, this might be a newer believer who's not used to being around the Bible, but let's just say that you know a person who's genuine and struggling with sin because the Holy Spirit is convicting them of sin. When believers talk with them about things, they go, yeah, you're right. I was hmm. wrong. Hmm. I'm gonna, I want to change my ways. Um, so you'll know genuine by if it's genuine. Okay, I don't mean to be too simplistic here, but you'll know the real thing if it's the real thing. Right. And what's false, okay, a false teacher with evil character, again, isn't saved, is worldly, and this is the aggregate of their life. This is not one snapshot. This is the pattern. And I think the biggest one is they cause divisions. If there's someone professing to know Christ, how many times in the Bible does it say, if a so-called believer or a so-called brother or a professing believer says this, that, or the other, and doesn't live in that way, have nothing to do with them. Like, yeah. stay away from them. They're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is, what does Paul say to the Romans? If you look at Romans 16, if you have your Bibles with you, just go to Romans 16, and you'll notice something you know startling. In Romans 16, here's what he says um, in verse 17. He's coming to the end of the letter. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by their smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Your obedience is known to all, so I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good, as to what is good, and innocent as to what is evil. So the idea is that, that you'll know if a person's a genuine believer because, and that you'll know if you're a genuine believer if you realize you are struggling with sin. Like if you know you have a fever, okay? Yeah. But a false teacher doesn't care, and the false teacher causes divisions. And I think, go with me here on this for a moment, just try this thought on for size. Okay. I think that we as believers propagate and put up with far too much division. Right. And that oftentimes we get kind of calloused to that. And that could mean that some people aren't really believers because they don't care for the church. Hmm. I mentioned Sunday in my sermon that you would not just cling to the to the comforting compass of the Word of God, but that you would care deeply for the church. If you care deeply for the church, you're going to want what's best 
for your fellow believers. You won't cause divisions. Right. You won't spread strife. You won't gossip. You won't slander. Worst kind of slander that goes on nowadays is gossip in the church, where you talk about people behind their backs in a way that shows that you don't care for them so much. Hmm. So I would say, again, let's go back to the original question. How do we know if a leader is genuine and just struggling with sin or a false teacher with evil character? It's going to be seen in the aggregate. It's going to be seen in a long, long stretch of time. Uh, you will see a genuine struggling believer. Every believer struggles with sin. If there's someone that comes up to me and says, I don't struggle with sin, they're not a believer. <laughs> I tell you right away, they are not a believer because they don't understand the gospel. Mm -hmm. Okay. If there's someone who doesn't, they're not aware that they are sinful and that they are without Christ, uh, the most hopeless of people, they are not understanding the grace of God in Christ. They're not understanding the gospel. You want to understand the gospel. The gospel creates tender hearts. Hmm. The gospel creates broken hearts over our sin. And so you cling to you know, the comforting compass of the word of God and you care deeply for the church. And, and you know when someone is that way. Mm -hmm. And you know when they're not. And I think you have that uneasiness about you where you go... Um, this isn't just a personality issue. Like some people's personalities just run you the wrong way. Yeah. Okay. Rub you the wrong way. And right. they, you just feel maybe you don't really connect with them. That's a personality thing. Um, people do that with preachers. Oh, I like his preaching better than that preaching because of his style or whatever. People do that with friends. I like that friend because they're kinder to me or they're nicer to me or we just have an affinity. We, we both like this or we, we just, it's like falling off a log, becoming friends with that person. And this other person, I have to work and work and work at it. So as long as you're not describing relationships you need to work at, if there's a person who really says, boy, I'm seeing someone who I don't know if they're really genuine and struggling with sin or if they're a false teacher with evil character, um, more often than not, they're probably that false teacher. <laughs> or, you're, or you're really judgmental. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It can be both. Mm -hmm. You could be really judgmental and go, I'm the one that figures out who is genuine and struggling with sin or... Uh, I'm the one that calls out the false teachers. Again, it goes back to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith first. Right. And then care deeply about the church. So as a follow-up question, this is just, I think, pretty closely related to the question, the original question. When, I, when we first started going through Jude, I think I had this idea in my head that for someone to be a false teacher, you know, to fit in that category, yeah. it would require them essentially being intentionally malicious towards the church mm -hmm. almost like they have to know that they're fleecing the flock and i i don't know i think as you've been preaching through maybe my view on that has shifted but i i'd ask you would you say that for someone to fit in this false teacher category they have to i'm trying to think of the right way to say this they'd almost have to know that they're a false teacher there has to be a maliciousness mm -hmm. an intentionality to yeah. deceive are, do they know that they're just pulling the wool over you know people's uh -huh. eyes? Yeah. Or can there be someone who, who thinks in their own mind, I'm serving, I'm serving God, I'm serving Jesus, right. and yet would still be in this false teacher category? Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. Um, let me think for a second. I've got a, I just opened my Bible by the way to Second Timothy. As you were saying, it's Second Timothy two, and verses twenty four to twenty six. I think that's where the answer is going to lie. Um, let me say, I think it runs the gamut. I think it can run the gamut. Um, but I, I, okay, let's put it this way. Is it possible for a true believer to somehow be a false teacher at some point? 
Okay. I think. Are you asking me? <laughs> well, I was going to answer, but you go ahead. No, no you I was going to say. I think they can teach false things, but they would eventually come to yes, you know, repentance okay. over that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so if you take that and say, okay, a, a a true believer can teach some false things, okay, and in a snapshot, go, well, you were a false teacher. No, I repented of that. I don't believe that anymore. I was wrong. I was wrong. But the false teacher, according to Jude are intentionally malicious. How do I know that? Because Jude says they feast with you without fear. Okay? They are preying upon the church. This is hmm. like the savage wolves coming in, not sparing the flock that Paul told the Ephesian elders about in Acts 20. This is where they're going to draw people away to themselves. So yes, I do believe that primarily the false teachers are intentionally malicious. and They, they know that they are fleecing the flock. Mm-hmm. But, and here's the big caveat, let me read 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. The Lord's servant, that's the, the pastor, the elder, the preacher of the word, uh, must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, and get this, verse 25, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And, and look what might happen, okay? God perhaps might do this. God may perhaps grant them repentance. God grants repentance by his kindness, as Romans 2 tells us. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Hmm. And what you'll notice is, this kind of goes back to where, oh boy, uh, like in the 1800s people would say, uh, hey, don't, um, don't preach to anyone but the elect. And I think it was Spurgeon or someone said, uh, you, you put a chalk mark on the elect and I'll only preach right, to them. Right. I'm sorry, but I can't do that, right? God only, only God knows. And that's, that's what 2 Timothy 2 says in verse 19, the Lord knows those who are his. But let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So if you're truly saved, you will depart from iniquity. Hmm. If you teach something wrong, you will admit it, you will show it, you will depart from it, okay? But then it says here that that the, the Lord's servant must correct his opponents and that perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, meaning they would be saved. There's a regeneration would happen and that they would escape the snare of the devil. Like their foot was caught and they're like that spider, the Jonathan Edwards spider hanging over the precipice mm-hmm. of hell and, and, and just hanging by the, 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 the slightest of, of, of web after being captured by him to do his will. So they were held captive. They were, you know, almost about to go through the grinder and they were rescued. God is rescuing people from hell. Is it possible then to, to be teaching falsely and going the wrong way and then God stop you in the tracks? Absolutely. Let me give you, let me give you exhibit A, Saul of Tarsus. Right. Okay. Right. And you, and then you, I was listening, um, this morning, actually, I think it was this morning, or, or maybe it was what I was doing yesterday. It all blends together, folks, um, to Acts, uh, where it says that Saul was ravaging the church. And it struck me, because I'm, I'm reading through the Bible cover to cover, but I'm also doing McShane's one where you mm-hmm. have some Old Testament, New mm-hmm. Testament, Psalms, and all that. So it put me in Acts, and it says Saul was ravaging the church. It struck me. I was like, wow, we're being told of an unbeliever harassing the church. Of course we're being told of that. Because Jesus said, if they persecute you, they persecute me. And here is Saul of Tarsus ravaging the church, 
dragging people out of their homes for being Christians. And then, you know, having permission to go and throw them into jail. And he's on the Damascus, Damascus Road, and God grabs him, literally knocks him off his high horse, literally yep. blinds him. Yep. And somewhere in that three-day string, he got regenerated. Because by the time Ananias got to him, or he got to Ananias, he says, Brother Saul, receive your sight. He was mm. already a believer at that point. Mm. God saves from the precipice of hell. I mean, so yeah, you can be a false teacher doing wrong, bad things against Christians and then be saved. Right. Yeah. No, I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, wow, isn't that great? The so, gospel really works. So great. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think Saul's a gr- great example. I, I think that he would have had... At that time, he would have been convinced in his own mind that he was actually serving God right. in all those things that he was doing against the church. Right? His, that's what his testimony said. He said, I thought I had to do many bad things against the followers of Jesus because they were against what I thought was the right thing. Yep. But even so, he was still held captive by Satan to do his will. Right, right. He and thought then, he was doing that, the right thing. And the Second Timothy verse is so helpful. You know, They may come to a knowledge of the truth and come to their senses after yes. being captured by Satan. So... Kind of this idea, it was almost like they're living in a fog where they don't actually understand what's happening. Satan's captured them, and they may even think that they're serving God, but then Christ could open their eyes and they'd say, wow, yes. I wasn't even serving him at all. I was, I, was, I was captured by the devil. Yes. And now Jesus has rescued me and brought me into a place where I can really serve him. So Absolutely. Great question, by the way. Whoever gave that question, that's a thoughtful question. I think it's a good question. So Yeah, no, super helpful. Well... I hope that helps um, the church. I know. We hope that helps the church. I hope so, too. Yeah. Maybe just a final final question. You can just even be quick on this. But you brought up the idea that we are sometimes too tolerant of divisiveness in the church. Uh, do you have any encouragements, even if it's just brief uh, encouragements to the body to fight for unity and to to just totally askew anything that would be divisive in the church? And I, and I I would even just maybe kind of go on by that by saying, and I was in a conversation after your sermon on Sunday about this exact question. Is there a difference between having different opinions or being, you know, in a spot where you have questions about things and you're not sure if you agree? Can, can someone be in that spot but still be submissive to the elders of the church and not causing division? And then where does, the, where does that line cross to a place where no this person is now stirring up division mm-hmm. and that would be something that obviously we'd all say mm-hmm. is dishonoring the lord so sorry no. that was a lot to i that's, guess just no that's really good you, but. that's really good uh okay so here's the thing if you're too close to the fire too close to the fire and if the person's asking the question how close to the fire can i get without being divisive they're just in the wrong realm to begin with they should be asking how can i encourage people in the lord how can i be kind how can i be someone who builds someone up and rather than tears them down. So, you know, the Proverbs tell us, watch over your heart with all diligence because from it flow the springs of life. Right. Again, the self-awareness, the self-examination um, is always applicable. And I think give the self-exam daily. Uh, and don't be, you know, so worried. If you're worried like, oh no, what if I'm being divisive? Then you're not. You're in a good spot. Okay. Right. Because I think the idea of um, the person that is trafficking in gossip or slander, you can get cauterized to that. You can, and you can be that way a lot, and it just rolls out of your mouth. It's like when you're, when you're maybe using words that are 
curse words or cuss words and you're you don't realize you're saying them but but everyone realizes your language is peppered with it <laughs> okay mm. and and sometimes you you meet someone who talks like that and it, it's a little bit startling if you don't hang around with people like that all the time but if you're with people all the time it's like that bad company corrupts good morals you know the bible makes that really clear too right, right. so watch yourself watch over your heart diligently and lovingly watch over your brothers and sisters in Christ. And this goes back to the idea that there's mutual accountability in the body of Christ. That should happen in your home. That if someone in your household is kind of stepping outside the bounds of biblical orthodoxy and biblical normalcy, that they get corrected in the home before they break out on people outside the home. What happens a lot, though, is we put up with it and people break out. And how often do we go back to a husband and say, you should have let your wife know the truth before she hurt a lot of people or go to a wife and say, it would be appropriate to talk with your husband before he starts saying all this to mm. other people or to parents with their kids or, or you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's a self-corrective nature to a household mm. that sometimes doesn't happen and it becomes very unhealthy in the church. So we put up with things that are, we're too tolerant of divisiveness in our homes. Therefore we're, we think it's okay in the church. Mm. And I think there needs to be the, you know, that's, you know, like schools have the no, um, the no alcohol or smoking zone or whatever, right? This is yep. a no. Yep. This is a no alcohol zone. We need to have a no gossip zone in the church and just don't allow it at all, like at all. And if anyone knows me and they bring stuff to me as their pastor, uh, everyone knows pretty much off the bat that I will first ask that if you want to come complain to me about someone else, I will say, "Have you talked with them first? Oh, well, then we we can't talk yet." Because you need to do your first thing first, hmm. right? Right. And a lot of that, sometimes that gets checked down. People get upset about that or they, they go, you know, actually, I was to blame too. Okay, well, do you want to just forbear and let it go? You know, and I know now I'm downstream. I'm in another, we're now in another conversation. No, here, it's but, helpful though. Uh, yeah. It kind of, we're, we're meandering a bit here. Um, <laughs> I'm stumbling on my words there. Uh, but we're meandering a bit here. But I think it kind of all applies. Yeah. No, it definitely. I think yeah. with the false teacher question, it seems like one of the main the main characteristics of a false teacher after worldliness and ungodliness is that they divide the church. So mm-hmm. even for that self check, like you're talking about, just super helpful to think about how am I contributing to something like that that's so ugly and such a blight in the church. Right, and yeah. really, it's this: if you do anything or say anything that casts dispersion on someone, doubt upon their character, you somehow injure them behind their back in terms of their reputation, you're dividing the church. Right. And you could say, oh, I was just sharing with a friend. We let so much gossip into the yep. church with sharing with friends. Well, you know what? Stop sharing with friends. Right. Okay? Because you are out of bounds. Okay? Yeah. That's what I would say. You know, don't share with your friends unless it's going to be building someone else up. Totally. Uh, let I- no, Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, building up according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. You have all these rules, right? Totally. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Only if it will build up. Only if it's according to the need of the moment. So don't mm. flatter. Yeah, yeah. And that it would give grace to those who hear. Totally. So it would, it would be a gracious helpful. thing. Yeah. I think it, I always am convicted by Titus 3 too. Speak evil of no one. Mm-hmm. Like, man, how, how plain and simple is that? Yeah, and that's There's not a single person who's open, you know, it's not open season for anybody. Right. Speak evil of no one. So, Mike, we're coming close to the end of our time here. Is there anything else that you want to add as we wrap this up? Um, I like what you just said in Titus. <laughs> I think, uh, let me just turn to Titus real quick here, and let me just, uh, let's just review that, okay? Can we do that? 
So uh, Titus 3, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And then it says, we were once foolish. <laughs> we were disobeyed, disobedient. We were led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness, I love this, this let's end with the gospel. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Like, wow. Amen. Being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Love that. There's our hope. Yep. No, amen. Such a great hope, and Christ's building, Christ is building his church, even with all the false teachers present and all that. Um, he's saving people and just awesome stuff to think about. Okay. I think that brings us to a close for today. Listeners at home, we're so thankful for you, and we love you. We pray for you. Uh, we have an exciting topic lined up for next week, so we hope that you tune in then. And until then, have an awesome week serving the Lord, and we will talk to you next time on the Ordinary Church Podcast. Have a great day. <laughs>